Retirement age is a moving target. In today's podcast, we'll highlight why it's so hard to retire at age 65, and we'll offer some tips to help get you to a retirement on your terms. Please stay with us. Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. You also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Yes, welcome to the podcast once again. It's great, as always, to have you along. Money Matters USA, the name of the podcast, the name of the fiduciary firm founded and managed by Fred Sade. Fred Sade in the financial services industry for a quarter of a century or more and looking at retirement planning. That's his area of focus laser focusing on retirement planning for his clients. And you can be one of those. I'll just mention wherever you're listening to the podcast, Fred says things I know every week on this podcast that resonate with us, getting us thinking about our retirement planning, 800-593-8188 to reach Fred, 800-593-8188. And his website is moneymattersusa.net. Fred, I think um. I've always thought of retirement age as 65, and I guess it's maybe because that was the original Social Security. Maybe it's because it is still the Medicare claiming age, but a lot of people are, that's not exactly the age, right? It varies from person to person. It does today. I mean, uh, today longevity is the key driver, and um, you also have to decide based on, you know, on, on an appreciation or an approximation of your longevity and just saying, well, my parents, my aunts, and uncles, cousins, whatnot, none of that's really terribly uh, relevant. You, you, have to, you have to measure it uh, from, your, from your current age. And given the fact that people literally are living longer, so then the next thing you have to decide is what is it you're going to do with your money? And that's important. Uh, I mean, are you using it for income? Are you going to use it for growth? Are you going to give it away? What is it? What What is it that you're going to do with the money? What do you want the money to do for you? Now, once you got those two things figured out, then you have to say, well, um, do I have enough money to retire? Did I contribute to a 401k plan or if you're really lucky, you have a pension, but only 17% of Americans have pensions. So, um, you know, people have good intentions, but often they just can't act on those uh, intentions. So that's your first thing. If, if Did you make enough contributions to save enough? Or if that was an impossibility because your employer does not offer a retirement plan, do you know how to create your own defined benefit plan? So that's that's the first thing. Well, what happens? What happens if you're now 55 years of age 
And this is generally what happens. People don't do any saving for retirement. Then they are 15 years away from retirement, and then all of a sudden they get serious uh, about about retiring. So it's really there are a number of surveys. We have one from 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 uh, Go Banking Rates Retirement Savings Survey. And they found about a third of Americans have no savings for retirement, and 55% have around 10,000. There are other studies that come out roughly the, the same place. So if you haven't saved anything for retirement, then you're looking at what? Social Security mm-hmm. to be your only retirement? Uh, or maybe you're thinking, well, you're just never going to stop working, uh, whether it's at your current job or maybe it's some other job. And that's you know, if, if that's the choice, then so be it. But, you know, is, is that what, what it is that you uh, really, really want? I mean, those are, you really have to have an honest uh, conversation with yourself, your spouse, uh, your family. Uh, what's, the, what's the going forward uh, for you? And then if you have save some or you're thinking about saving, the thing you have to remember is that Uncle Sam is your partner. So if you're saving in a tax-deferred vehicle, where it's a IRA, 401k, any of those things, you just have to assume that 75% of the money belongs to you and 25% belongs to your Uncle Sam. And Uncle Sam is, is going to uh, tax that tax that money. And when you're looking at how much money do you have, just reduce it by 25%. And at least you're, you're being the approximate ballpark. And then you can go from there and say, well, is this, is this enough? Now, a lot of these online calculators have not been updated and, and that's a serious problem because um, if you if, if the calculator that you're using is not currently updated, um, then when you're looking at your longevity and your life expectancy factors, you may have the wrong numbers, and you may wind up with a very different situation than what you intended. And usually it's taking out more money than you want. Or, on the other hand, if you're just going to drive off RMDs, required minimum distributions, you're going to wind up with, with a lot less money currently and a lot larger estate. So none of these none of these are going to take care of them themselves. And that means that you have to uh, either have the latest updated information or you have to work with an advisor who, who is up to date and can do this for you. We're looking at why people decide to delay retirement. And of course, there are many reasons. You know, we mentioned uh, 65 is no longer the full retirement age for Social Security. And I think a, a couple of other reasons is um, someone may have cashed in their 401k or they may be delaying because they are trying to push out Social Security till 70. Yeah, and and you know, there's um, 
Some interesting studies, the uh, Boston College's uh, Center for Retirement Research, the Retirement Center, they have a study out. I, I have, I'm uncomfortable with their conclusion. They're saying that 27% of men claim early at 62 and about 32% of women claim early at, at 62. And I, I'm just... Um, I'm just uncomfortable with that, with uh, with those, with that claim, uh, it, because it, it belies, uh, you know, what we normally see, which which is the early claiming, with the idea of, hey, that's my money, it's got my name on it, it's calling me, it's available to me, I'm going to go get it. Well, it may not be available to you if your income's above a certain level, you won't get anything. It's going to be taxed anyway. So it's going to be uh, reduced, and um, you, you're also leaving a lot of money uh, behind uh, if you. Um, and, and there are uh, bridging strategies that are available to get you out from 65 to 70, if, if in fact you retire at at 65. And um, uh, now we're now moving to the point where where people claiming after age six, uh, who were born after 1961, you know, have a full retirement age of 67. So all of a sudden, it's not 65; it's 67. They only have three years of deferral uh, rather than than, than the uh, five years that other people had uh, previously. So, I mean, these are all things to uh, consider because I, I, it really doesn't, you can be very wealthy. You still have to have a smart Social Security claiming strategy because of, of what it does, not only from an income standpoint, uh, but also from the standpoint of taxation. And so this, is, this it's really important to, to, uh, to get it right. Now, we have a, a free graphic that we give out. Uh, uh, which you can get by just requesting it, uh, which will allow you to do a manual calculation, and you can figure out what your what your benefits uh, are at, at the different uh, at at key claiming uh, uh, points. So uh, I don't I, I don't want to minimize Social Security because it's really the core for a lot of people that has Social Security has replaced the uh, defined benefit. The defined benefit plan, and so an interactive process where you look at how Social Security uh, will integrate with your other assets at different ages you know, is is it's really important to know that so you can make an informed decision. Um, I you know I, I don't see <coughs> excuse me I don't see too many cases where people cash in their their 401k or their or their IRA uh, sometimes I see that because they think that they're going to have a lump sum forget that you have to pay taxes on it there could be penalties uh, on it and they think that th that they can better manage the cash flow uh, on it. But that's not necessarily the, the case. It takes a lot of planning, a lot of budgeting uh, also to to be able to to do that. 
and reasons why people may delay uh, retirement. And this is tricky, and Fred can break down sequence of returns, but it's a risky thing, too, and if not done properly prior to retirement. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Fred, you, I think, heard heard this, too. We were talking a little bit about it uh, before we went on the air. Michael uh, Burry, if you know the movie The Big Short, he, I've seen all sorts of predictions about where we are currently heading, but his really stood out because he's saying that this current economic downturn, in his words, it could top the Great Recession. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I would hate to uh, be in an argument with, with Burry. I mean, he's the only guy that um, got the mortgage uh, fiasco uh, correct. And he has also warned about another, about a whole series of bubbles uh, in the economy. And that's really uh, what he's referring to, that as these bubbles burst, and that's his concern, that if the bubbles, that all the, if all or some of these bubbles burst that we have within different sectors of the uh, economy uh, due to really poor policy decisions, uh, political decisions, fiscal policy decisions by the Treasury, and monetary policy and credit decisions, credit expansion decisions uh, by the Federal Reserve, if all of this comes to pass, or even enough of it comes to pass, uh, it would it would be disastrous uh, because right now uh, we we our debt to GDP ratio is 127%. And, uh, you know, if if we add in all of the unfunded liabilities, I mean, the, the primary expense of the, of the federal government is health care, <clears throat> Medicare, Medicaid. And after that, you know, it's, it's Social Security. After that, it's the national debt. And after that, it's, it's, def- it's defense. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot to be concerned about because if you add in all the unfunded liabilities, now it's not 127% uh, of GDP. It's more than 200% of GDP with no end in, in sight. So um, uh, sequence of, of risk is easy to understand, uh, but it, it's very difficult for people, it seems, to wrap their head around it. Yeah, how do basic. you break that down? It is a little murky, it seems like. Yeah, but essentially in the three to five years before retirement and the first three to five in retirement, if the market is negative and you are drawing income from your portfolio across the board, uh, then uh, your portfolio will uh, expire before you do. And since the name of this game is matching your life expectancy with the life expectancy of your portfolio, uh, you're going to, you will lose uh, in, in that, in that game. So um, then now it's also true that you, you need to, you, you really need to think through how, you're going to fund. I mean, you, you can take some of your assets and say, I'm going to dedicate these assets for income. It could be done with ladders. It could be done with with, with annuities. Um, but it, it makes you 
uh, it, it makes you uh, it, it puts you in a situation where you are not dependent on your portfolio uh, in order to 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 get income from from that portfolio because when the, when the market is against you uh, and you have to take money out then it be, then it becomes very very difficult because what are you doing you're going to sell your winners because that that's the most easily monetized and and you could be left with a lot of losers and you're just sitting there and saying how long is this going to take for me to come back some of that may not come back it may never come back or it may take so long it becomes irrelevant um, the, the other, uh, here's another challenge that I would point out, and that is uh, you need to rebalance. Portfolios need to be rebalanced monthly. Uh, asset allocation has become extremely difficult because stocks and bonds are highly correlated. They should be opposite, adverse to each other, but they're not. And if you're going to do dividend stocks, you have to remember that they're behaving a lot like bonds. So needing to rebalance and understanding how you're going to rebalance, what the factors are that you're going to use for rebalancing is absolutely essential right now because the market does not behave the way theoretically it's supposed to behave. It's, it's very hard to make it behave that way. So you can't. So you have to you have to then it's very hard for you to do this on your own. I know people say, yeah, 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 yeah I can do this. Well, good luck in doing it. I mean, I, I can't do it. I need, yeah, I need very powerful institutional software to, to be, able to yeah. be able to do this. No, I would it's, think. You can't do it in your head. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to even wrap around the whole concept, wrap that around your head. So I can't imagine applying it. <laughs> uh, to no, see. Uh, yeah, I mean, pe people, you know, people will tell me, oh, yeah, yeah you know, I I'm going to redo my asset allocation. Well, I mean, it's, it's not that simple. It, it's, it's very old school and, and it's very hard and it's very hard to do. And if Burry is right, it's not going to be a one year uh, deal. I mean, I, right, right now, I, I can't, I think we are going to be deep into 2024 uh, be, before we begin to see some light at the end of the tunnel. I, I think thinking that 2023, I think that's optimistic. I mean, I, I don't think we, we have seen the end of this yet. So I'm not sure that Burry's 100% right. I'm not sure he's 100% wrong either. He and you said he he predicted 08. Uh, yes. And then how about and because this guy gets credited with it all the time. Nuriel Rubini. Uh, yeah. It, did, was he pretty close <laughs> on it too? Dr. Doom, they call him. Yeah. Yeah. He is called Dr. Doom. But yeah, his his, his predictions ha have have been have been very, very uh, accurate, I, I think, so far. I mean, r right now we, we're just sitting here. We have no idea what the Federal Reserve is going to do. Uh, if, 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 if our situation in this country gets worse, uh, then is the Federal Reserve going to continue to raise interest rates 
and continue to offload its balance sheet. I don't even think offloading its balance sheet, frankly, makes any difference at all. They're sitting here with $9 trillion. Even if they get rid of $95 billion, it takes them five years to do it. I have no expectation that they're going to go five years uh, in doing this. And the, the other problem is they're having a special meeting today. We're recording on a Monday. And we don't know what they're going to do, but the, but the British uh, government is in a lot of difficulty uh, and uh, so they apparently have reached out uh, to uh, the, uh, I should say, the, the British Central Bank, the Bank of England, they apparently reached out to the Federal Reserve for help. Um, and that means that, that the Federal Reserve has to, at some point, stop the, the uh, quantitative tightening and has to stop the interest rate increases. Right, right now, you have academic uh, economists predicting that the, ne- that the next interest rate increase is only going to be 35 basis points, and that's it. So uh, it's not the majority consensus, but, but you have people who are serious uh, ac- academicians who are, who are talking about this right now. So we don't know where we're yeah. going, but if, if the British need help, uh, we're, we're going to help them. That's the transfer of American assets abroad. And we don't even know where we are uh, with the Ukraine. Right now, we're fighting a proxy war. But um, if, um, if that blows up, we, uh, we, uh, I, I, und, und, um, I heard uh, Ian Bremer, uh, who was a high official in the Obama administration and heads the Eurasia Group, I heard him uh, at lunchtime say that, um, that uh, our State Department, uh, our Secretary of State, has have warned the Russians that uh, if they were to use a tactical nuke, or uh, chemical weapons, uh, we would consider that an act of war against the United States wow. and we would intervene. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true or not, but Bremer has better connections, certainly, than I than I do. A lot of these people are his old colleagues from the Obama administration. Yeah, and, I've also read, too, that they could have an out on that in saying, well, it really wasn't a direct attack on us and but then the one article i was reading was saying well maybe they could tighten sanctions and i know that i could see the eye rolls on that because (laughs) you know what 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 does that do but yeah it's a scary time i I don't i don't know bremo also said that the chinese are telling are telling our um state department in the white house that uh they that they have told putin to uh make a deal with the Ukrainians and, and Putin told them in essence, go stuff yourself. Well, yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's scary. So, and I, I mean, I hope it wouldn't come to that, but you know, I don't know. The eye roll part was just on really on more sanctions. <laughs> you yeah, know, I, I, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I mean, you know, when, when the price of oil go, goes up, uh, Putin benefits, uh, I mean, so does OPEC. Let, let's face it. Yeah. Uh, they all, <laughs> Excuse me. They all do. I know who doesn't. Me yeah. and you. <laughs> that, that is absolutely correct. The price of gasoline is going up again. Looked at the price of heat. I hate with home heating oil. Look at the price of home heating oil. Oh, yeah. And I think I'll more to see what the price is going to be toward the end of the, of the week. Because um, I buy it in the spot market. Uh, I want to, I, I'm looking, looking at my terminal <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I can, 
we're in for some surprises, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, crude is up 4.7%. Uh, right now it's uh, 82.36 a barrel. Uh, Brent crude is up um, about 1%, uh, almost, almost $89 a barrel. So that's what we're looking. We're, yeah. That's what we're we're looking at. I mean, I, I saw a thing this morning, in one of the business shows that a small in a small town in California, regular gas was over seven dollars a gallon, and in California, this is like I think it's the t gas tax is about sixty six cents, sixty seven cents a gallon. Wow. Oh, that's, that's painful. Yeah, I, think, I think their average price is about six and a half, but in this town, it was over seven bucks a gallon. Small town. You know, not many gas stations. So, but you know, it's not the other thing is the other thing is that most of the gas stations you see or today are attached to convenience stores. Yes. Because they're not making the profit on the gasoline. They're making the profit. Right. On, you know, you on coffee or, or coffee cake on a sandwich. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what? It's, it's all the other stuff that that you buy. That's where the profit right. is. You don't see too many freestanding uh, gas stations unless they have a very very big repair business. No, you really don't. But when I was growing up, I remember it was the old fashioned service stations. You know that yeah. you know, ding 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 ding. Yeah, and I was wondering yes. how, how did they make their money? I, I maybe on service because all of them had a garage, so maybe that was yeah. their real money maker. Yeah. Because yeah. they didn't really sell a whole lot. I mean, they might have some crackers in there or something, but, you know, it wasn't like a convenience store. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure it was repairs because they, they got squeezed on, on gasoline. I mean, on regular. I, I, um, a good friend of my father's uh, owned a gasoline station. Mm -hmm. He owned two of them, actually. They were, they were at, at back east when Sincla they were Sinclair gasoline stations, and his profit on, on regular was three cents a gallon. Yeah, they had to make it some other way. Yeah, yeah. repairs. They a huge repair business. Well, that was um, it. They all had a garage, and yeah, people brought took their cars there to get yeah. them worked on or serviced. Yeah. Well, now Eventually, you're right though about convenience yeah. stores. I mean, that's where most. Well, of yeah. Them are. I mean, I, I look at, I look at the gasoline stations. Uh, you know, um, there's a few off-brand stations that were owned by uh, Marathon Oil. Yeah. Gulf is the one of their brands. And, and most of the uh, Raceway uh, is there, is or their off-brands. And they've sold off their off-brand uh, stations. I see a couple, I see a few of them mm -hmm. uh, still struggling. Um, you know, I, it's a, t a very tough business. Very tough. It is. It is. I've seen where um, you know, thriving convenience stores are. <laughs> I've seen them put out of business because the big super convenience store, you know, the well-known major chain is right there across the street, opens up across the street from them and just uh, it either forces them to uh, change their prices or it puts them out of business in some cases. Well, you know, uh, the, the, you know when, when they when you see that tanker truck going in, mm -hmm. you know, and bringing in gasoline and then the blend to you know to get from the, you know, whether it's regular or premium, whether it's regular into intermediate and then, you know, premium, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars that the guy's got to pay in cash, in order to get that delivery. That's amazing. I mean, it's it, it's it's not like you're writing a check for ten thousand dollars and right. delivering all the gallons. <clears throat> wow. So, I mean, it's it's an enormous, an enormous expense, 
then he's got to have the cash. He's got to piece that together in order to get the uh, the tanker to come in. Oh yeah, and and, uh, and fill up his tanks. But you're right. I, I think uh, I wonder if if there's anybody that still thinks that they're making a killing off of gas prices, the stores, no. The, no, because they're. No. I mean, they're not. That's not their money maker. It's like it's like movie theaters with tickets. They they don't make anything on that. They want they make it on the popcorn and the drinks yes. and all of that. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. I mean, you uh, some of these movie theaters, the AMC theaters, for example, some of the others too. Um, you you go in and uh, you order food. Yeah, uh, or you order it online and they deliver it to you. Mm-hmm. you. You pick your seat out and they deliver it right to your seat. Um, there are at least three chains now that are that are doing it. And a new theater opened up about a mile and a quarter from from our house, and we went there a couple of weeks ago, and um, they delivered the food. Great oh job. yeah, yeah. I haven't done that yet. I'm still kind of a traditionalist when it comes to theaters, and and just you know, as far as I'm just kind of like the watch the movie with popcorn and Coke. So I'll have to check out some of those where you get everything, a meal delivered oh, to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. The seats are incredible. I've heard. Very, I've heard. Yeah, it's like an it's like an easy chair, and it goes <laughs> up, and they're heated, too, if, if you wow. want. <laughs> yeah, i, I got to check one of those out. Oh, it's outstanding. Now, the only thing they don't have is to drop a quarter in and get a massage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that'll come. <laughs> Just get somebody annoying sitting behind you, Kicking your seat in your massage chair. Well, we're a very quick break here. We are living longer, and that means we need substantially more money in retirement than our grandparents or even our parents. So when we return after a very quick break, uh, Fred's going to break down some mistakes to avoid to make sure that we do not run out of money. Are you losing sleep over market volatility affecting your hard-earned retirement savings? You can't afford to lose a big portion of your nest egg with not enough time to recover. Many people want safety and the guarantee of principle, but also prefer the potential of higher growth with the market. And now you can have both. Call Fred Zade at Money Matters USA at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. We're back with Money Matters USA, consumer advocate Dave Perkins with Fred Sade, founder and managing director of the firm Money Matters USA. Fred holds a Ph.D. in economics from Duke University, and he really breaks it down for us on this podcast and many things to consider if you are close to retirement. And, man, are there a lot of things to consider when you're close to retirement, even in good economic times. And we're not in good economic times, as we talked about in the last segment. And we are living longer. So add that to it. That's good news. That's not not a bad thing. However, there's risk that comes with longevity. And so, Fred, you're going to break down some things to watch out for to make sure that your money outlives you <laughs> because that's the big fear. Uh, and yep. th- this is something that I know you do this for clients, especially when you first meet with them. And that's looking at high fees that may be attached to whatever products they're using. Yeah. Again, we, we have um, software that is capable of digging in and figuring out uh, what the fees are what the expenses are. So you can take a fund that might say our expenses, you know, one and a quarter 
percent, but that may not be the whole story. And uh, there may be uh, concealed fees, uh, transactional fees, uh, management fees, uh, and, and the fees might really be three and a half percent. And if it's in a variable annuity, we've seen the fees as high as five percent. So all these fees tend to be disclosed in the prospectus, but most people don't bother with the prospectus. I mean, if you want to fall asleep, you read the prospectus, mm -hmm. but it's important to at least scan the prospectus or go online and look and look at their filing with the SEC um, when the fund was originally created or any updates in the filing. And there you will see uh, disclosed. But our software is capable of telling you that. Now, one of the one of the issues is when the market is is against you, and you have a, a decline when you're trying to figure out uh, how long will it take me to recover, uh, you're making an assumption that you're not paying any fees. And uh, with either to an advisor or broker, uh, or, uh, or there are no taxes uh, uh, in this, and that may not, and you're not making any withdrawals. So those are the three considerations. But fees are, are deal killers. And uh, now there can be a situation where you may want to pay a higher fee because you're getting value for it. Mm -hmm. But you have to make sure that um, you, that you're not being closet indexed. Well, the thing is but to know what, about it too, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you got it. Well, you know, again, we have the software that will measure the performance. Mm -hmm. and, and what we find is that newer fund managers tend to be more active and that older fund managers, like I say, more 20 years or more, 15 years, 20 years or more, tend to closet index. And, and I'm making this as a generalization, but I, but I, think, I think it's valid and it shows up in the Morningstar uh, data. Looking at what about withdrawing money? What are mistakes that are made there? Well, a lot of pe a lot of people are still um, are convinced that some variation of the four percent rule, uh, which is really the Trinity study, Trinity College, Oxford, three three researchers figured out that if you if you had a mix of stocks and bonds, you can take out four percent and adjust for inflation, up or down each year. Uh, so if inflation was up, you take more money. If inflation was down, you take less money. But but that combination of stocks and bonds would last 30 years. Wouldn't last 31 years. Wouldn't last 32 years. But it would last 30 years. Now there's been plenty of research, as I said in the first segment, because stocks and bonds are no longer adverse to one another. They act in the same way. That that four percent. Is, is out the window. So Morningstar had a 3.3 percent. There are other people uh, who say it's, uh, you know, in a 2.7, 2.8, if you're going to uh, rely uh, on on that. Uh, we don't think that that's the best the best play. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're going to rely on that, you, you really have to have uh, some portion of your assets have to be dedicated for income, and or, or we have to use ladders for income. We have to use uh, annuities uh, for income. I, I know I said that in the first segment. I'm saying it again because that that these are the most effective 
uh, ways of, of generating reliable income and where you're, you're not beating up your portfolio and, and being victimized by sequence of risk return. Um, the other issue is that people don't really understand the Monte Carlo uh, simulations. Now, Monte Carlo simulations are not real. So it, it depends on how many simulations you get that, you know, you can, you can if, if you do it often enough, you're, you're going to get some breakout, some percentage-wise, where, where your strategy will be successful and some percentage-wise where it will not be uh, successful. But to rely on Monte Carlo simulation, uh, simulations are a mistake because it does not represent reality. You have to be very, very... Uh, careful. We we don't we, we look at Monte Carlo simulations. I'm not saying we don't, but we we but we don't we don't drive our decision making from that. We we use scenario planning. We use realistic, probabilistic uh, scenarios. We don't do hypotheticals. We do realistic scenarios. You want to see uh, how a portfolio that you have. How is it going to Perform, and we have a confidence level. We want to get to at least a 95% confidence level that we have a range for the downside, we have a range for the upside over different time periods. So, with realistic scenario, uh, uh, that that will give you a very realistic uh, picture. Remember, the Treasury uses scenario planning uh, with banks. That's how the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury, does it. That's exactly the way we do it with institutional software. Yeah, and again, kind of a science to this and um, really pays to be with a professional when looking at these moves, to, especially if, if since we are living longer. And if you do have that nagging fear of running out of money, of course, you have to assess your risk all all along and you have to proactively tax plan. Yeah, you do. One other thing uh, uh, that I do want to say, going back a step, uh, if you go to our MoneyMattersUSA.net site and you click on a tab called Behavior or Fear, <clears throat> it, it diagrams how, how, how the average investor uh, functions in this kind of market. Well, it, there's also a cut-down version of the portfolio crash test. This is, this is not the most sophisticated version that we use, but it'll, it's good enough to give you an idea of how your portfolio will perform with different scenarios. So uh, we don't see your your um, your positions. Uh, if you put your name and your email in there, we'll, all we'll know is that you tried it out. Uh, but we don't we don't save your information. It's a good way to get to get a a very sobering point uh, point of, of explanation for you to understand how much risk is in your uh, portfolio. And that's everything that we talk about. We we look at uh, from a risk uh, perspective because uh, manage managing risk is, is the key to successful uh, investing, and it is the key to successful retirement planning. As far as Taxes go. Um, you have you ha um, again. You need a mix of um, after tax, before tax, and taxable. And and blending that mix together will will give you the best possible uh, outcome. And you, you you need to remember on the tax deferreds that uh, Uncle Sam is going to take their piece. And the other thing to remember is you cannot estate plan. 
uh, using qualified plan assets because of the new uh, RM required minimum distribution rules and the IRS's uh, very complicated um, uh, new regulations. They call them proposed regulations, but there's nothing proposed about them. They are in effect uh, right now. So it, understanding uh, this becomes extremely uh, important, and, and getting that mix, getting that mix right, is important. Otherwise, you're going to run out of money. It's as, it's as simple as that. And again, we we have very um, capable software. Uh, that is um, tested continually to make sure that it uh, that it can do the job for you, and we do the best possible. The software does the best possible um, uh, approximation of, of taxes because remember, taxes are not linear. If they were, it would be very simple, but they're not. They rise and fall mm -hmm. uh, depending upon the your, your where you're drawing uh, your income. So we try to approximate the impact of, of a very, very progressive tax system uh, and and show you how you can take money. And also, if you want to have a legacy, leave that to, to your children, uh, for, oh, first to your spouse, then to your children, grandchildren. And if you want to also leave some money to charity. But I mean, those are those are your own uh, decisions. So charitable planning is, is very, very uh, effective and people who have a lot of uh, assets uh, are, are as long as you have charitable intent, uh, you you can be very very effective using charitable planning uh, techniques, and, and those remain in the in the tax code. Well, proper planning definitely can help ease that fear of running out of money in your retirement. One final thing: what are some rollover mistakes? <laughs> The, the the biggest the biggest mistake that I can think of is missing is first of all uh, taking the money uh, in cash. If you take the money in cash, uh, what we uh, and um, you know and there's a delay in setting up the uh, how we're going to position the money, what we're going to use. I, I then tell people go down to the bank. Open up an IRA. It's called a conduit IRA. That will that will stop the clock on the sixty day. And then you can do it. Then you can do an institutional transfer from from one institution to another institution. There's no time limit on, on those institutional uh, transfers. So uh, you can do one rollover a year. You can do as many transfers as you want. But um, if you take the money and let that sixty day clock Run, run by. Then you have a. Um, uh, you have. You then are going to have uh, an excise tax uh, that you're going to uh, pay uh, on that. Now, um, you, you don't want to. You don't want to deal with that penalty tax. You, know, you can. You can avoid it uh, very, very simply, and um, it's much better to do. Uh, institutional transfers, but sometimes um, whoever is hold the custodian that's holding the money won't let you uh, do that, and they insist on writing you the check. And I've just told you exactly how you can get around that uh, that problem. 
Look, you have to bear in mind that uh, you're, you, you, that there's two stages here. There's an accumulation stage, there's a distribution stage, and you have to transition from accumulation to deaccumulation. And if you do that, you're, you're going you're going to need help. I, it's very rare, and I do mean rare, for people to be able to negotiate that successfully. They want to keep on accumulating, and that brings us back to what I said at the beginning. What do you what do you want your money to do for you? Uh, once you make that decision, some of these other things fall into into place. But if if, uh, if it's only just to die with the highest pile, that's not that's not going to be successful. Well, it definitely helps to have a professional with you, a fiduciary, and that's Fred Sade, who specializes in retirement planning. Again, Fred, it can be reached to schedule a consultation, 800-593-8188, 800-593-8188. And also be sure to visit the website, moneymattersusa.net. Well, Fred, as always, great information, lots to consider, and good conversation as well. It's just something you can count on every week. And so we're back together again next week to drop yet Yet another Money Matters USA. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell in any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.